Welcome back to the Living Every Now podcast. My name is Jake. My name is Will. And today we're talking about how happiness comes before success. Okay. I didn't even brief you. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, that's fine. You don't know what my episode's about either. So that, that's fair. All right. It's a surprise night. All right. Cool. We're on the floor. If you haven't noticed, we're just trying to. We got headphones on. We're trying a bunch of different things tonight. But the conversation centers around happiness, like a lot of our conversations, and ambition and contentedness. I think that they're all within that family. But I think this was. Like I have this conversation with a lot of my friends and it feels like a novel idea to them. And that's interesting to me because I thought I was alone in and thinking that like I had to achieve things to deserve a certain amount of happiness, for example. And I learned somewhere along the, on the, along the way, I think my dad told me or something that about how I'm like never going to be happy if I can't find happiness today. But even through conversations and further explanation and like really critical ideas that we've explored over the last like year, I've been able to reaffirm those. And I'm, and I want to share that it's really true. So what are you actually saying? Are you saying that happiness is a requirement to succeed? I'm saying, I, so I think there's, I'll get to that, but I think firstly, what I'm saying is that happiness is a choice. And it doesn't require any external factor. And if you try to put an external factor, you you know, I want to achieve blank or I want to marry blank person or I want to, you know, be blank successful at this whatever. As long as that comes from an external place, you will always, you either are not in control of your happiness, firstly. And secondly, when you do achieve it, it's a blank space. It's not that thing it's always going to be filled by another thing and, or a person or an idea. And you put yourself in a place where you never really have happiness. You never can achieve happiness if, because you're going to be seeking the next thing. And I think so far, I think happiness is good as far as it relates to success. And I think that things that it has a potential to propel you f- faster in your pursuit Maybe. I think, I think it will. Why is that? Cause you feel good. You don't feel like a hole is in your heart. Um, but I, I, you know, as of late, I've been thinking about how having a hole in my heart has been some of my pro- most productive times in my life. Um, so I don't know if it's going to make you the most productive person, but the point is, is that putting your happiness in front of other, like other external factors is strictly not the answer. And being able to make the choice of being happy today is the only way you'll ever be happy. Okay, so I want to pull on that a little bit. Yeah. What you said, happiness is a choice. I firmly believe so. Okay. There's a lot of really famous people who take that to the extreme, like Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He was a Holocaust survivor, and his whole philosophy was even in a concentration camp, you can be happy. Like happiness really is external from any condition. Right. But that's kind of hard to believe. I feel like it's hard to believe, but then I see like a UNICEF video of a little girl in Syria and her home is getting bombed and she's smiling about the dress she's wearing that day. And 
truly joyous about life. And her situation is far more dire than mine ever will be, I think, so far as I can imagine. So for, I guess, perspective is a very important part of happiness, in my opinion, and gratitude too. I feel like a sneeze is coming. That's why I keep like pausing <laughs> and it's not coming. Um, I think, I think th- both of those things are important, but seeing that, like seeing that video, I think about it a lot. It, it, it puts me in a place that if she can do it, I totally can. Yeah. Right. Like if Victor Frankel, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Can find happiness in a Holocaust camp, then I damn sure can find it in my pompous apartment in Denver. Yeah. I think it's, my example is actually kind of a bad example. Okay. Uh, what did you mean to, what did you mean to mean? No, like I, I demonstrated the point I was trying to get across, but I think it's the wrong question to ask because mm-hmm. it gets into the game of comparing my happiness to your happiness. That's and, true. You know, your condition is this, so you can be expected to have this level of happiness and this level of fulfillment in your life or whatever. Right. And I, I think it's kind of dangerous to especially group people into demographics and do that and mm-hmm. say like, if you're from this country, your happiness score is this Denmark, whatever. Totally. 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 Um, yeah. And just com- happiness comparisons weird. Yeah. No comparison at all is the devil. Mm-hmm. Like straight up, like it's, it's evil. It's insidious. But when you're first, I feel like there's levels to stepping into choosing happiness. I don't mm-hmm. feel like you wake up and you're like, yes, happiness. Like I yeah, get it. I agree. So, happiness is a choice. Yeah. So, so I think that it's like what I've told my friends that, more struggle with choosing happiness is that that's a good place to start is perspective and know that comparison is definitely not the end game, but you know, you have to compare to see that perspective. You have to compare sometimes to be grateful even, Mm -hmm. you know, but definitely like that's not how you shouldn't live your life. Okay. So I'm going to take this one step further. Okay. And if we're getting off track, feel free to cut me off. Yeah, no problem. Would you say that being happy is not only a choice, but it is work? Like you have to work to maintain your happiness. It doesn't come effortlessly. It's a choice, first of all. But once you've made that choice, you still have to put an effort to be happy. Yeah, I think I think being happy, if if our episodes are any, indi- any indication, is that it's a choice. Like in 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 that choice, every time is usually the harder of the two choices. So, for example, choosing long-term fulfill like long-term fulfillment over short-term fulfillment. I think that's one of the seeds of happiness. I think that if you can get that right, you'll probably be more happy than most people. And that's a choice that almost every time when you make it sucks. But that's just your monkey brain talking to you. It doesn't actually suck. It actually is super rewarding. It's the more rewarding choice in the long term. But our monkey brains don't want us to think in the long term. So yes, to, the short answer is yes. I think it's a lot of work uh, and a lot of choosing hard, like hardship in a way. Mm-hmm. N- not that anything's super hard, but like going on a, a strict diet versus not. Those, that requires some discipline and, and a choice. And ultimately, if that's what you see for yourself as like a better you and is going to be a more fulfilling body to live in, I think that that ultimately is a benefactor of your happiness and is, and is a good thing to pursue. So yeah, that's not easy. Like uh, anything, all the goals worth achieving in your life are not easy. And those make me happy to pursue when I reflect on my personal happiness. Um, all of my goals are difficult. I don't think they're 
I don't think they will be easy to come by. I think, honestly, if I don't work harder, they could slip from me. So I think that those those things make me think about it. But did you ever, were you at ever at a point where you, and I ask this because I was, but were you ever at a point where you were putting things before happiness, before you kind of realized it was a choice? Or did you, were you always kind of privy to the fact that you could choose your perspective? Um, I don't know. I, I have been on the train for a while of believing that happiness is irrelevant of your situation in life. It's not even the whole thing. People say like 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond to it. It might be 100% how you respond to it. I think so. That has been hard for me to put into practice all the time, but I agree with the concept of it. Yeah. And it sounds sort of horrible coming from us. Oh, yeah. We sound like idiots. Yeah. Because we, like, you know, look at our life. What do we struggle for? Nothing. At this point, right? Not much. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, like, I'm in a place where I've needed or wanted the least in my life. And part of that's practicing not wanting things. And part of that is actually doing better for myself. So it puts me in an interesting place to have this conversation. But I want to illustrate that I've had this conversation with myself in the deepest despairs of my life as well. And I think that's actually where I found the choice. What and I, I think you had helped me with this at one point in high school. You had talked to me about like choosing how I react to things at one point, like choosing how things made me feel. Like I got to choose. I didn't get to, I didn't have to feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that was mind blowing for me at the time. I was like, Really? I was like, That's yeah, crazy. Like you are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. You have an emotion, but every emotion just has happiness as a choice, sadness as a choice. Every other emotion is another choice. Right, right, right. And so that was sort of mind awakening for me to then continue down that path and then realize things like happiness, which had generally come easy to me in my life because I was a positive kid and stuff. When I didn't have those like easy things to cling on, like when almost all of the world felt like it was against me, I could still find happiness even though most of the time, like, and, and it wasn't like I was always happy either. Like, I think it's okay to be frustrated, okay to be mad, okay to be sad when you need to be. But I was still able to find happiness in, in, in moments and able to look forward to those moments too. Yeah, that's a really important thing you just said because at face value, this conversation sounds like if your dad dies, you should be happy. Right, right. Like, totally you not. You can, in that moment, choose to be happy, but... In reality, that's not how it works. Yeah. Maybe using the word happiness conflates it a little bit because happy means so many different things, but you can always choose to spin the situation in a way that doesn't cripple you. Right, and look for silver linings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I forget the quote, but there's this quote that's basically like you, like, I'm not even gonna try to quote it, but it basically gets to the point where you are trying to look for the silver lining and everything. Like there is a lesson to be learned from everything. And, and if you can do that, you can not only like learn from a situation, but eventually grow to thrive from every situation. And 
that doesn't matter if it was a good situation or a bad situation or whatever. I actually find it nowadays since I like overcorrected a bit and look for like positives in, in dark places, I find it harder to take really positive things in this ride. I think, I think that that deserves more practice in my life. Why would that be hard to begin with? Cause it's like, the, I would like, what's the lesson here too? Okay. Like you want to see a lesson in an experience and if you succeed, you feel like you're not learning in a way. Yeah. I want to, I want to continue to, I think, I just think I need more practice at identifying and, and building off of winning too. Like, I think it feels like a little obvious, but maybe I'm being weird. So when you say that you take a bad situation and maybe you spin it to be good or you find the silver lining, is that the same thing to you as finding meaning in that thing? Not necessarily, but what I, what I will say is like, I, when something bad happens to me, I almost immediately think it could be so much worse. That's, that's, I think very helpful. I don't know if that's positive, like mind work. Like, I don't know if that's comparison in a way, but for me, that's very helpful. Another thing that's really helpful for me is I fucking journal when I'm not making music and I make music when I'm not journaling. So I'm constantly getting out what I feel like. I, I know myself to be an emotional person and it, I know that that helps me get through things and like deal with my emotions. So I'm constantly clutching onto my journal and clutching onto my music to like get rid of those feelings. So I think that's an important part too. I think that's an important part too. You know how religious people, when something bad happens, instead of doing what you do where you think of someone who has it worse, they think this happened for a reason. Uh, and I, I, that makes me think because I, I look at that and I think that's kind of crazy. It like, is a little crazy, yeah. it, It's not happening for me and there's no meaning in this. But they're doing the same thing that you're doing where you're taking the situation and you're telling yourself a story about it. Mm -hmm. And that story might be just as irrational or untrue as the sad story or the depressive story of that situation. You, so you have all these different lenses you can choose to pick, to look at a situation with, and they're all wrong. They're, they're, none of them are a complete picture of the reality. Cause right you might choose to be happy in this situation, but that's in a way just as delusional as choosing to be sad in this situation because it's never just one emotion. Right. So I was wondering if you could consider the usefulness of a lens to be equal to the truth of that lens. Like is choosing to be happy more true? Are you looking at the situation more truthfully or are you just lying to yourself in a useful way? I think... When, when, like, anytime your back is against the wall as a human, I think you're searching for not for truth, you're searching for use, yeah, right? So, I think that naturally I put myself in a place where I definitely am more focused on being useful. Like, I've never even considered if that was untruthful, for example. Mm -hmm. So, I don't even, I don't, I've never even asked myself that question. That's kind of interesting. I, th I think you're right, though, because you just, and I, I liked how you said it because you said that it's basically as irrational as being upset about it. And that's, that's kind of the point, uh, at least for like dealing with things is like, you can, you are in some ways the purveyor of your own truth and not that that alters facts at all, but in that way that you can look at it however you want. And so when you look at it in an irrational way, 
you might as well look at it, at it positively because that has positive effects on you versus looking at it negatively, which can have damning effects on you. And I, and I think positive, if it's not having positive effects, at least it's not having damning effects on you. That's, that I know for sure. If you mm-hmm. look at a situation positively, you're not going to be damned by that outlook. You might, nothing might happen, but that's the least of your worries. Yeah, or, that's or the, so weird. Or the least of your implications, I guess. That is probably the best uh, definition of the argument against rationalism that you just said. Like, you could choose to look at the world super rationally and, and say the highest virtue is what is true. Right. But people who aren't hyper-rational will tell you, okay, we're all fucking watching pro wrestling here. Yeah, it, no, who, who fucking cares if it's not real? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fun, it's useful. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the world as a hyper-rationalist might be great if you're trying to run a business and, like, minimize costs and distribution, but... That it's not useful. It's not always a useful mechanism for becoming a happy person. Sometimes being irrational is a tool. Yeah. Looking at the world rationally will probably make you depressed. Like you're going to think there's no God and you're going to go kill yourself because nothing matters. Yeah, I will say that a, a rational lifestyle is a lonely, it's like not lonely, but it's cold and it's it's kind of dark. Yeah, there, there's not many... It's not hand-holding Hyper-rational it. people who are dancing. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. They don't feel like they're having as much fun. Yeah. And I think that, I think everything is about making sure you can speak to both heads and, and knowing when to use both of those, those thought processes. But yeah, I don't really think of myself as an irrational person, but having that kind of conversation does make me feel a little irrational. But I, I guess I guess if you're going to be irrational either way, which I think is the default for most people, I don't think most people are rational, um, especially when it comes to their emotions, which is obvious. But, you know, dealing with depression or whatever, you irrationally think negative things about yourself. So why not be irrationally positive um, just to have like net positive effect on yourself? I think that's interesting. Hmm. Um. Let's get back to ambition though, because I think it's important. We had a whole conversation about contentedness versus ambition. I don't think being happy means that you can't be ambitious. I don't know how to navigate it quite yet, to be completely honest. I don't know. Cause I know. I, I almost want to cut you off a little bit because my episode is Kind of about that. Oh, really? Yeah, we should have coordinated this better. Oh, Surprise sorry. Episodes are bad. No, no, no problem. Go, just go with it. Okay. If we have to just combine the episodes if it gets too far into <laughs> mine, I'll just dive we in just, on the conversation. We'll just combine it into we, one big we, episode. We just go part two. Yeah, part two. <laughs> um, I, I just don't, like, I know that some of my darkest moments have produced some of my most focused times of myself. And it almost seems like psychotic of me, but that I want to recreate those moments to be in that place again of focus and like, like just everything I was making was ripe. I don't know how to explain it. Everything, like everything I was touching was, uh, like what's the word? Uh, like not sensitive, but like a live vib- vibrant potent. Yeah. Okay. Everything just was carrying a different set of like kutzpah to it. And it comes from a very dark place, but that's interesting to me. 
not that I want to be sad because I don't want to be sad, but sometimes I want to be back in that place if I'm going to be honest with myself. And, and yeah, I, feel I don't like, know how to respond to that. Yeah, I feel, like I, I want you to be happy, obviously, right. but I can't tell you that being happy was a good career move. Right, exactly. Like the last year, for example, I felt like I've made music, but it's probably been one of my more stagnant periods of making music net in my life. And whatever, whatever, like a million excuses. There are excuses at the end of the day. What I can say is I've been the happiest I've ever been too. <laughs> I don't know how to that parallels. <laughs> yeah. I, going back to our initial conversation, happiness is a choice, yeah. but you could choose to do something else, which is going to have less happiness, but that is going to open up an opportunity cost. And maybe the correct formula for life, there's probably not one correct formula for life, but one of them probably exists where you're not optimizing for happiness. You're optimizing for something outside of yourself, which in a few ways could be super noble. Like if you are the only person who has a specific skill set in the world and you, you know you have the power to like save a million lives, but you have to do a job that's 16 hours a day, every single day for the rest of your life you could choose to be happy or you could choose to make an impact on the world or wh however you want to phrase it. You could find something in life that's more important to you than your own happiness. Right. Yeah. There's a quote about that. It's like the world's not built on good and well-rested men or something like that. It's built on tired and great men mm -hmm. and great men aren't happy. Yeah. <laughs> but there's almost something glorious in that. Like I know giving yourself to something that's more important than you. Like it, there's this quote by John Stuart Mill that um, a person who has nothing for which they're willing to die is a miserable creature. Like if there's nothing more important to you than you, like you suck. Yeah. If there's no higher value system than what you can come up with in your own brain, you're never going to be able to find something higher and pull yourself to it. So you're, you're yeah. stuck by the confines of your own existence. <laughs> you're going to see me in my room, like torturing myself <laughs> into depression, trying like get productive. <laughs> no, I, I, depression feels like an odd way to, to get there. Be, like you could get there by overworking yourself. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean, I don't want to like make light of depression in any way either. I don't feel like depression is necessarily the most productive state to be in, but when something hurts, I think that's more like when I've been the most productive. Mm -hmm. Like think about when you're, when a girl you like breaks up with you and you just want to get in the gym and like somehow that's going to like prove that you're like, she, she messed up or something like that. Like that's like, not that that's what I think at this point in my life, but I, I definitely have been there before where I was in the gym straight for like six months, just grinding and getting huge because <laughs> I was pissed. Not because I was pumped to go to the gym. Like now I go, I'm excited to go to the gym and like, I just like going to the gym. And so it's a completely different atmosphere from, I have something to prove. You know what I mean? Like, no, I don't know I, if no you've ever, you mean. No. <laughs> really my bench press. I haven't broken up with enough girls. <laughs> Like someone's got to come break my heart because these fucking noodle arms ain't doing no, no one for anything. Dude, seriously, like I don't like my best music comes from heartbreak, man. I just need to go get my heart broken. Ah, dude, that's so funny. I try to lie to myself and tell myself that 
I don't need that to make good stuff, but I feel like I might I might need that. Bro, you know who you should start texting tonight? Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Just hit them all up. <laughs> Hurt yourself. <laughs> Just play with fire. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so stupid though. Yeah, yeah, no, no. We'll we'll figure out another way to get to heartbreak again. I mean, does it have to be heartbreak or it, obviously there's a correlation with music and heartbreak. Like 80% of songs are either about falling in love or getting broken up with, I feel like. Yeah. Is there something specific about that for you? Like, is that emotion especially musical in some way that I'm not understanding? Well, I just, the reason I started making music was catharsis. So it's the nat- most natural thing for me is to when I am afflicted in a way to cathartically respond. That's the most inspired I am. Is to- so you have to be conflicted in order to have the catharsis. If you're not conflicted, there's no catharsis to be had. In a way, yeah. Like it's like, what am I catharting about? <laughs> <laughs> Who's catharting over there? <laughs> what is what is the word? What am I don't know what the word is. What am I dealing with? Or or I guess I'm engaging with in catharsis about like the fact that my rent's paid. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So I've been trying to, it's been a struggle, but I've been trying to find other things to talk about and just talk about the fact that I don't know. The The point of it is just to tell your story, right? But my f- story feels so like the life I lead right now is so boring, but it's so ha- fulfilling and like all this other stuff, but it's boring at the, at the, like our day to day. We've talked about this, like success is kind of boring. Yeah. The process of it. Like there's like, I don't like going out. I don't have a story to tell you. I didn't do a line of Coke in the bathroom. Like I woke up at six. And went to work yeah. and came home and did a podcast with my friend. I Yeah, I totally get it. Is is it a thing in music that once you've made it to the top, you no longer have that catharting to do, so you fall off because you can't make the music? Well, I think it's so interesting because like, I don't mean, I'm not talking any shit. I don't mean this negatively, but like Drake finds a way to be sad about, about being a billionaire. Like Drake finds a way to be upset still. I'm upset. Yeah, seriously. You know what I mean? Like straight up. He he finds a way to find catharsis. And it almost feels like I need to just get more in touch with myself on that level. Because there's things I could be upset about. I just deal with it pretty mechanically at this point because I know how to journal. I know how to process my, my, my emotions. And they don't sit on my heart all day. So I get to the studio like I get to sitting down making music and I'm like you're not mad about it anymore. No. you're no longer upset I'm not upset yeah holy shit so oh maybe I should just stop journaling and save it for music and then see what happens that might be a cool experiment oh, that would be cool see, is there a, a bandwidth there is it easier to journal journal has like a wider quicker. nozzle or something yeah, it's quicker to capture okay my music, I got to sit down. I got to plug in the mic. Mm-hmm. Got to take 30 takes because you sneeze during them all. <laughs> <Yeah>. COVID. <laughs> True. <laughs> all right. Happiness comes before success. It's a choice. I think that 
if you put success before happiness, which is the latter, like the other way to word that, that you'll never be happy. And that's why I wanted to have that conversation. That's the point. I'm glad we had that conversation. Thanks for bringing it up today, Jacob. My, my pleasure. Where can they find us? We are on the internet at Live in Every Now, Twitter and Instagram. We have a website, liveinevernow.com, where you can come and click on our things. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>